Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Monday, April 10th. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is 10, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who just turned 11, Oliver, who's eight, and Teddy, who's six. We live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Zach Rosen. I make the Best Advice Show podcast, and I am dad to Noah, who's five, and Ami, who's two. We live in Detroit. This week on the show, we have a letter from a listener who is struggling with an unequal parenting load. Her partner is blaming this on his ADHD, but she's finding it hard to be sympathetic. After discussing this letter, we'll move on to recommendations as usual, and then we're going to reach into our mailbag to read some advice from you, dear listeners. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. But first, let's start with today's question. Dear Mom and Dad, my husband has ADHD, and we have two young kids in early elementary school. I'm not exaggerating when I say I do 99.9% of the house and childcare, plus 100% of the mental load, and the vast majority of work because we own a business together. When I ask for help with anything, it's met with hostility. If I complain that he doesn't help as a co-parent or spouse, he gets angry that I am not being understanding of his ADHD or calling him a bad father. Or he gets mad that I don't appreciate the bit of help I get from him at work. And I'll be honest, I'm not understanding. I can't seem to get through to him that it's affecting me so much. So of course, I'm frustrated slash angry slash isolated. Intellectually, I understand he has a disability, but most days it just feels like an excuse, especially since he hasn't taken any initiative to get the tools to help him to be an equal partner slash parent. How do I deal with this? Frustrated, tired, burnt out. Whoa, Zach, what do you think? This sounds like such a challenging situation. I'm sorry that you're, you're going through this, um, frustrated. And you you say that he hasn't taken the initiative to get any of the the tools. Is that to say like he isn't medicated um, for his ADHD? That, that so that's that's kind of the first thing. Um, and if he's not, why is that? Um, I'm also curious, and I know it, it can be frustrating for our listeners sometimes that these clarifying questions that we are after we don't have answers to. So. Um, I'm aware of that too, that that it is frustrating, but I'm wondering like you've been working in in the same business with, with your partner. Has it always been that you've been doing all the work or did something change? And if there was a shift at some point, I'm curious what that shift was, but at this point, because you are the kind of main bearer of, you know, physical, logistical, emotional, mental responsibility here, it's kind of like, your partner has become another kid. And that is not a dynamic that you want to perpetuate. And I'm not blaming you for that. Like, you're not doing anything wrong here, but you have to somehow figure out a way to shake this current dynamic and get onto some kind of equal footing. 
And I think there are a number of ways that you could start to think about that. Uh, the first thing you could do is go to couples therapy and have a third party. And if not couples therapy, um, my wife and I have had a trusted friend um, facilitate disagreements between she and I, and we have done that in turn for for other folks. So there might be just a third party who can kind who you know loves you both, who can kind of hold space for both of you and help you navigate the stuff. But some kind of facilitated session in which he actually hear, not only hears you um, describing all the stuff that you're doing, um, you don't even have to bring the resentment in yet. You could just like list all the things. And in fact, um, a listener to this show, Lucy, she um, and her partner did this thing where she realized she was doing a lot more of the um, domestic labor at home and made a series of um, pie charts showing like, look, I do you know, 90% of the laundry. And and when you can actually give someone um, a visual reminder of, whoa, you're right, I'm not doing shit, rather than just like hearing you nag them, it might kind of, you know, get to them in a different way. So there's that. Um, but the main thing is, he's got to take some initiative at some point. Um, and I'm, I'm curious what he has or hasn't done. Uh, maybe you can follow up with that. But um before I go on, I'd, I'd love to hear Elizabeth um, and Jamila. What? How did this letter strike you? Yeah, y'all, y'all need to fight better. Like to mm-hmm. me, the issue here is that, I mean, Zach, you hit on this. Like, you guys aren't hearing each other. You, you are overwhelmed, completely overworked, and when you try yep. to express that. Uh, your partner gets defensive and then says, I have ADHD, and then you're unsympathetic, which, I mean, I completely understand because uh, you feel overwhelmed. All of this, there are so many techniques for <laughs> fighting better mm. uh, so that you can be heard and that takes out that defensiveness. I think like therapy, trusted friend, some kind of uh, marriage or relationship workshop. Now, obviously, the thing about these are that both parties have to buy into this in order for it to work. Um, But it sounds like you're at a point where like everybody better buy into this because it's not working. Um, And you keeping it afloat is, is it not working? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would, I would really think about like what fits into your schedule. So can you go to some kind of counseling? Can you get a friend? I I don't even know that. I I think a friend might not even be enough at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, because you need to learn some of these techniques for both how you can present uh, these these complaints, which are very valid, uh, in a way that doesn't make him feel defensive so that he can hear you, right? Like, he's not hearing you now. He just feels like you're saying I'm a bad father, that's complete shutdown, and you're not going to get anywhere, Um I think, too, part of that conversation has to be about the ADHD making things difficult, but that at the point that it is stopping your partner from participating in so many of these things, right? Like, they need to see someone about this. Um, And there are so many resources out there. There's, of course, medication, but if that's not what they're looking for, there are 
apps and strategies and things that he can adopt and that you guys can adopt as a family to help with this, whether that be list making or just very precise, like these are the tasks you're responsible for and these are when they're due and this is how we have set up a system to remind that is not me reminding you. Like those are all things that you may need to assist putting into place. But honestly, like if if he's not going to participate, I don't know what to do other than... Since, since you can only control your behavior, I think maybe you need to educate yourself on some better ways to be heard in an attempt to to be heard here. Just to, to follow up really quick, um, the you were talking about an app, Elizabeth. I read about one called Habitica, H-A-B-I-T-I-C-A, which gamifies life. For, yeah. And that, that um, can be particularly helpful with... Um, for folks with ADHD, just FYI. But Jamila, you were about to say something. Yeah. Um, obviously, I don't have the relationship experience, but I do have the experience of living with ADHD. And I am here, but for the grace of medication and therapy, um, mm-hmm. I realized that I would not be able to function in the way that I do. And I still struggle. You know, it's still difficult um, focusing, remembering to do things. It is a disability and it's a terrible challenge. But I think that your husband needs to be honest with himself about what he's facing. And one of the things that you need to talk to him about is being realistic about his ADHD. And perhaps there are people who are able to manage it without therapy or without medication or any other um, intervention at the hands of an expert, but that's not working for you, you know, so encourage him to, you know, seek out some support. This is a disability. This is a real challenge. It is preventing you from doing the work of being a partner, a father, and a colleague in the way that you need to. And you've got to stop running from that reality while clinging to it as an excuse for as to why you can't get things done. Um, And, you know, I'm always team therapy and this couple definitely sounds to me like they are uh, ripe for some couples therapy. But you pointed out too, there's not only is couples therapy, but there is also therapy for ADHD that can help work on some of the strategies and the overwhelmed that he's feeling Um, And I am thinking, like, I think, again, since you can only control your own behavior, a way that you may be able to have him hear you is to be a little bit more educated about the ADHD and some of these strategies. Um, and, And if your counseling can include some of that, because sometimes bridging that gap in a relationship helps. So to be able to come and say, I know you're struggling with this and I want to be on, I want to be on your team. Cause I think fundamentally the thing is like, you're overwhelmed and that hurts the entire family. Like the idea is for the whole family to function. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when two of the members are fighting all the time, it's really hard to be successful and happy um, as a family. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I have to remind or Jeff has to remind me like, hey, we're on the same team. So so yes, we're frustrated. But like our goal is the same, uh, which is to get through this and and move forward. Mm -hmm. And a way that maybe you can help him see that that's what you're doing is by saying, hey, I've read a little bit about this or I, you know, and these are some strategies that maybe we could implement together. Um, And then maybe he can use it less defensively. I don't, I don't know. 
Yeah. Um, I just wanted to also say that our November 14th, 2022 episode, uh, we talk about ADHD and, and had um, Andy J. Pizza, the artist and dad on who has ADHD and he had some, some strategies too. Um, so you might want to reference that, that episode as well. The only other thing I wanted to add is like, is there any way for you guys to bring in some additional help? Like, okay, so all of these are like long-term things, but like, can you get a cleaning service or a babysitter? Can you outsource any of these other things while you're trying to get back afloat? Like, is that a possibility? Can you let go um, of some of the expectations? Like, like, are there things that can drop here, which would be a more immediate fix? Because I don't think any of these fixes are going to change your workload in the next three months. Uh, so I also yeah. think trying to look and see, like, are we able to do this? Yeah, I would love you to keep us posted on this. Please keep us posted. We love updates and we would love to hear how things are going between you. And we certainly hope that they improve and we hope that our advice was useful. Everyone else, do you have some tried and true advice? Email us at slate.com or send us a voicemail at 646-357-9318. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a second. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, uh, let's move on to recommendations. Zach, what are you recommending this week? Okay, Noah and I went to the Detroit Institute of Arts on Saturday, which is our city's um, just incredible um, art museum. And it was actually her first time there, partly because I thought that she would just complain about all the walking. And uh, so it it was a long overdue visit. It's very close to our house. It was raining. It was perfect. Ami was sick. So Shira was, was hanging with him at home. And so we went to the museum and within like the first like two or three paintings that we saw, she was like, can I take a picture of this? I'm like, uh, why? She's like, I don't know. Like, so, so we can remember it later. Like, uh, okay, sure. And so she proceeded to take a picture of about 400 works of art yeah. as we as we walked around the museum uh, for a good two hours. She didn't complain once. She was super engaged because she had this really short-term goal of taking um, a picture of, of these masterpieces. Um, a couple times I was thinking, like, should I tell her? Like, let, why don't you just, like, appreciate the art? But I stopped myself. Um, 
and we had such a great outing. She was engaged. We talked about the work. Um, and my God, it was fantastic. So like, don't go to, my recommendation is like, don't go to the museum and tell your kid to like, you know, notice the brush strokes, just go to the museum. And if they're being, um, if they're like, if you find that they're interested in, uh, using the phone as an interface, uh, between them and the work, just go for it. And, uh, yeah, it worked well. Kids are so like tactile in the way that they appreciate things like things have to have an activity that's why children's museums are all hands-on uh we Mm -hmm. always bring like a sketchbook to the art um or play this game that in each gallery we pick which painting we would hang in our house or which thing we bring to our house that's cool and anything to keep them you know i yeah i just quickly realized like they can't stand there and think they don't have the well one their brains are just different but to they don't have like when we're looking at a painting we're like reflecting on all this stuff but like they don't have that much experience and so i think they like you know when kids like to take things they like to bring something with them um Mm -hmm. so i think the camera is great or like a sketchbook or um i often find they'll just like sit down in front of a painting in a gallery and be like (laughs) coloring you know on the floor with we let them bring like two pencil you know something they can manage um but i think that's so great and i um i give dirty looks to anyone that gives dirty looks to the kids in the museum doing whatever because i'm like you want adults to grow up and appreciate art and keep these institutions alive like how do you do that if you never take a kid to a museum and then the, the dirty looks just cancel each other out. So there's no yeah, dirty looks. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth, what about uh, you? What are you recommending? So I'm recommending Exit the Game, which is an at-home escape room. Uh, the kids have been, like, Ooh. really into escape rooms. Henry had an escape room birthday party, which was, like, fun, and they want to go. But they are super expensive and not really aimed at kids. So I was mm-hmm. looking at options. And we have done a few, like, for school that I print from uh, Teachers Pay Teachers. So there are all kinds of educational ones. But they were, like, really wanted to do... Um, like a fun, like a fun escape room. So this is a little boxed one. There's all kinds you can pick. I, the one we did was like fairy tale themed and uh, was easy. Like all Henry could definitely do it. The other two with his prompting and our help. And it was super fun. It can all be done on your kitchen table. Each box can only be used once. Cause you do like cut things up and um, do stuff, but it was so nice. We like got halfway through the game, packed it up for the night. And then the next day uh, revisited it, but you could bring it traveling with you. Like it could be played in an airport. In fact, I may get one for our next trip if we have a, a delay, but it was super fun in a way for them to kind of enjoy the escape room for, you know, less than sending a family of five to one that they could never solve. That's cool. That's very cool. Naeem has been asking about escape rooms lately, so maybe we should try this. She couldn't believe yeah. that I'd done them before. She felt like betrayed. Like, you've yeah. been to escape rooms without me? I mean, it's nice because if they get frustrated in the actual escape room, like it's supposed to be frustrating. This was nice because like when they got frustrated, we could physically remove ourselves. Like we could do all those strategies, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think Naima could do one of these with a couple of friends, like, you know, and have that fun. Sounds like fun. Um, What about you, Jamila? All right. So I'm making an adult recommendation again this week. I am recommending a show on Netflix called Well Mania. It's about an Australian woman who is a hard partying food critic. Like she really parties hard. Um, And she goes back home to Australia for a weekend. She's based in New York and 
she's on the cusp of getting this fabulous job as a judge on a food television show. She's up for this job. It's going to take her career to the next level. And she's Mm -hmm. a bit of a screw up, you know, but she still managed to land this cool career for herself. And she loses her green card and she's determined unfit to go back to the United States because to get a green card, you have to have a physical evaluation and she's, um, you know, her vitals are bad. Like there's concern that she would become a burden to the United States because she's in poor health. She hasn't been taking care of herself. She parties really hard. She's 39. So she's been partying hard for a while. Um, And so she has to, get her lifestyle together in order to get back into the country. And so it sets her on this journey. Um, She's living with her mother during this time. And she's also interacting with her brother who's getting married. And he's kind of like the perfect child. And she's the wild child. And it's just really good. It's only eight episodes long. I'm hoping for a season two. But I really, really enjoyed it. Hmm. How did you hear about this? You know what? It just, Netflix just suggested it to me. And I don't usually yeah. take those suggestions. Um, but I watched the trailer and I was like, okay, this looks interesting. This is something to fall asleep to. And I ended up finishing the whole series last weekend. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Now it is time to open up our mailbag. We always appreciate hearing from our listeners. So please keep the letters coming. The first one comes with a little flower picking advice for Noah. They write, hi, mom and dad. Congrats to Noah for leaving that singular spring flower for all her neighbors to appreciate. Sometimes it is helpful to have a rule to know if you can pick a flower. When a flower is in a garden, you must always ask the gardener if you can pick the flower. When it is a wildflower, I wanted to share this poem that I learned at an outdoor education camp three plus decades ago. Pick if you must one flower face, 10 more must stand in its place. Two feet square must hold that many. Otherwise, look, but don't pick any. Happy spring. Oh, I love it. I'm going to share that with Noah. That is very- That's beautiful. Isn't it? I thought it was so cute. Oh, thank you. It's so cute. I, um, I must, I probably was 11 or 12 when, Ah, gosh, because this was new to me being out by myself. So maybe 11. And one of my girlfriends and I picked flowers and brought them home to our parents. And my mom was so horrified. She was like, I cannot believe that you picked. Like from a garden? From people's gardens, I guess. Like, I don't know what we were thinking. Um, But I, you know, I'm sorry to the people whose gardens we picked. Uh, We were trying to do something nice for our parents. Hmm. Um, I wish we'd had this handy poem that would have been very helpful. (laughs) All right. And we got this comment to ease Elizabeth's fears about not having an oven in Japan. They write, I heard Elizabeth's news about moving to Tokyo on the podcast and also her concern about the lack of ovens in most homes. And I just want to share my experience in case it's helpful. I have lived in Vietnam, Taiwan, and South Korea, and have stayed in several Airbnbs in Japan. And there was never an oven in any kitchen I had in Asia. I think if you live in a brand new, fancy, modern high-rise, you might get an oven, but it's not common at all. In any case, my solution to this problem was to simply buy a countertop oven. For about 100 bucks, you can buy an oven that fits on the counter and that is maybe two to three times the size of a regular toaster oven. The one I bought went up to 500 degrees, so I was even able to bake bread in it. 
While I was happy to have my giant American-sized oven when I moved back to the States, that countertop oven definitely did the job. Hope that helps. It does help. And you guys, love that. so many listeners <laughs> reached out about living in Japan. They live there now or they have lived there. Uh-huh. And everybody had so many amazing things to say and just saying, you know, don't worry about it. When you're at this point, reach out to me. So I am just like, I was so overwhelmed um, by how many of you found us through the email and Instagram and all that kind of stuff, which reminds me, um, we here are curious about how curious you are to know more about my trip to Japan. I, of course, am a trip, I guess, moving to Japan. Um, I want to know what you want to know, because uh, we have the opportunity to to do some things as we travel over there or as we learn about stuff. But um, I'm curious to know what you want to know and how much you want to hear about it. So um, if you have any thoughts on that, you can, of course, email us at momanddad at slate.com. Awesome. Well, that does it for today. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belston and Maura Curry. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio. For Zach Rosen and Elizabeth Newcamp, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thanks for listening. <laughs>